Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. It, which I feel really bad about because no one's actually done that. Everyone's a lot of people threatened to come on the live video, but I think it's usually a misclick when you join the live video. There's a little thing that says, "Do you want to um, join them live?" And I think people accidentally click that. But if you do want to join me live and talk, then I'm very happy to um, do that. But um, I understand it's a bit daunting on a Tuesday evening, and maybe you want to just want to kick back and relax, um, which is fine. Oh, good God. Where's the questions here now? Oh, good God. 28. What's the month? 2023. Questions aren't here. Um, Right. Well, I'll do the questions I've been asked already. Um, So 2023-07. So it's, it's 0108, isn't it? Yeah, Crescent Lift, that was last week. Oh, heck. Uh, Okay. Not a problem. Where are the questions? It's not a problem. Okay, well, we can do the ones we've already got. So last week someone said, um, uh, do you focus on the appearance of breasts while performing a reduction? So the answer of that is yes very much so but that is not the only thing that you focus on when you're doing a reduction Um, there's a couple of things you need to be aware of the uh, in relation to the nipple areola complex so um, the when you're doing a reduction you're doing a lift the lift is an integral part of a reduction and um, you have to move the nipple to a higher place and so you have to isolate that and keep enough blood supply and nerve supply on the nipple so that's a really important part of the surgery so that dictates the size so that's um an element of the size that's important but um clearly the uh, appearance is important for is important for um a breast reduction it's actually important for everything that we do and one of the things about plastic surgery and certainly plastic surgery training is that there's an element of form and function it's a it's the um, function of things is important because how they work, a lot of things we do is like hand surgery and what have you, and things have to work properly and you know head and neck surgery. But also the um, form is clearly a very important aspect to it. Um, and that is something that's kind of uh, drilled in throughout all of plastic surgery training that yes, the, the function has to be there, but also um, how things look. So. Um, there are some technical and functional aspects to a breast reduction which are important, but also there are um, cosmetic elements, and clearly the cosmetic elements is a huge aspect of performing breast reduction. So um, yeah, it's a it's a very important aspect, and so when um, one of the things I do is I make sure there's enough volume in the cleavage area. I make sure I empty it out laterally because often there's too much volume laterally um, to the sides. And trying to make a good shape with the nipple at the apex sort of pyramid shape um 
with a, with a good projection to the breast because you don't want it too flat. Right, I've got some questions here. So you don't want it too flat. So those are all important aspects to it. So the important is absolutely cru the appearance is absolutely crucial, uh, as well as the um, uh, the function of the breast in terms of the nipple sensation and the blood supply to the nipple. Um, so Bev is in the house. Good evening, Bev. I'm glad you weren't party to the beginning, which I was on Instagram before I could get Facebook set, set up. And now I can't find my questions on Facebook. But anyway, I found them in a different place. Um, so we're all on track. So it's all good. So uh, the other question I've had this evening is um, how long do you have to wait after breast reduction before lying on your front? Um, a lot of things in terms of um, how long before you can do this and that. Um, I will have answers to it but a lot of the answers are listen to your body because the answers that i give when people say how long before i can do this go to the gym i think there might be a question about gym is there yeah you go um i will give you kind of what is generally right in terms of um in general terms but some people feel a lot better a lot sooner heal a lot more quickly some people take a little bit longer to heal have little bits of don't heal up and have a little bit of swelling and soreness and discomfort for longer than others. So, so anything that I say is kind of um, ballpark figures. So um, lying on your front, yeah. So normally actually what people ask after a breast reduction is when can you lie on your side? Because they've been told they need to sit up, but I normally don't tell, don't tell people to sit up. So you can lie on your side pretty much straight away. Um, but lying on your front's a bit more uh, uncomfortable, obviously. And uh, first thing I say is it doesn't matter what I say to the answer to that question, you will lie on your front when it's comfortable. So even if I say after a week, you can lie on your front, you probably won't be lying on your front after a week because it'll be too uncomfortable. So the, the answer is listen to your body. But I'm going to say it probably a few weeks, maybe a month before it might be a little bit, you know, you might be able to lie on your front. But if it happens sooner than that, fine. If you go to bed on your side, you wake up on your front, don't panic. It's obviously not that uncomfortable, you know, your body has kind of allowed you to do that. So it's whenever you're, um, it's comfortable and that'll probably be around a month or so. Um, and it might be longer, particularly if you don't, you know, if, you, if you're okay lying on your side when, when you sleep or lying on your back. Because it will be more uncomfortable on your front and it's going to be a balance between the discomfort of the breasts versus the discomfort of sleeping in um, unusual positions, as it were. Um, so yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to put a month on that one. Um, Kelly, thank you for the food basket. Thank you, Kelly. Um, what is the difference between silicon and polyurethane implants? So the difference between implants is the coating of the implant. And so all, so polyurethane implants are silicone implants inside. They are silicone implants but they've got a foam coating around the outside. So that's the difference. They've got a foam coating and the foam means that the scar tissue goes into the foam in a three directional way, three dimensional way. So that when it contracts, it contracts in all different directions. It doesn't form a sheet around the implant. And so it's much less likely to go hard when it when the scar tissue contracts. So the scar tissue is called a capsule and that capsule contracts. So it's called a capsular contracture over the years. And that capsular contracture make the implant feel hard. And the polyurethane ones have got this foam coating around the outside, which breaks up the scar tissue and makes it a lot longer before it goes hard. So they, in that respect, they last a lot longer than the traditional silicone implants, which are either smooth coated or textured coated 
which means they've roughened the silicone implant shell, but they don't rough it as much as a polyurethane foam. So the, the roughened, the textured implants are kind of um, doing a similar job to polyurethane, but they don't do it quite as well. So textured implants don't go as hard as quickly as smooth implants, but they go hard more quickly than polyurethane implants. So basically, the, the shell of an implant gets progressively rougher, ranging from a smooth uh, silicone implant to a textured silicone implant to a polyurethane implant. They get progressively rougher, and the more rough it is, the more scar tissue gets broken up, so the less likely of it going hard because the scar tissue is all disorganized around the implant, so it doesn't form a sheet around the implant. So that is the benefit of the polyurethane implants, that they don't go hard, or at least they're much less likely to go hard or take a lot longer for them to go hard. The um, bad thing about the polyurethane implants, because as with anything, if there is a good thing, there's got to be a bad thing. Um, the bad thing is that they uh, were um, implicated with a cancer many years ago in experimental conditions when they injected some stuff into rice, uh, rice? rats. Uh, but that only happens in rodents, doesn't happen in humans. But more recently, there's something called ALCL, which is a type of cancer associated with implants, which is associated, we think, to um, with the roughness of the implants. So that then that makes a negative aspect of having a rougher implant. Um, so there's good things about having a rougher implant because it's less likely to go hard in the future, but there's bad things in that it's more likely to get the ALCL albeit very rare cancer, but it's more common with the rough uh, implants. So you have a choice between a smooth texture, a smooth silicone implant, textured silicone implant, or a polyurethane implant. And the textured ones are actually broken down into micro-textured and macro-textured. So they you, they have, a, you know, some which are more rough than others and they get the, the progress. So there's good things about the progressive, the rougher ones, and there's good things about the smooth ones. And it's about weighing up, the, weighing up the pros and cons and making a decision in your life and in your world as to what suits you. But yeah, that's what polyurethane implants are. They don't go hard as, as quickly, but they do get the cancer more often, albeit still very rarely, but still. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's it. There's a choice that you have. Do we offer liposuction to the neck area? No, we don't. I, I said a long time ago, I don't really want to do uh, any facial aesthetics in terms of anti-aging facials. We do mole surgery and cysts and what have you, but we don't do facelifts, uh, brow lifts, um, and, and what have you. And uh, and and, and kind of liposuction to the chin is, is sort of along with um, facial surgery. So no, no, and I, and I was, what was I talking about? It's last week or week before about my advancing years and the fact that I'm probably not going to start anything new. So I'm just going to say no. I mean, who knows? Maybe I can't see me doing it, to be honest with you. Maybe we get some other people at the clinic. In fact, we probably already have got some other people at the clinic who can do it, but we don't kind of promote it because um, kind of everything's under my like um, umbrella. So I, I kind of don't really want to promote things that I can't um yeah that i don't do myself sort of thing at the moment but that's not a very good uh not a very good sort of boss is it boss doesn't have to do everything if you think about it think about business the boss doesn't have to do anything they just have to kind of manage so i suppose yeah now, now you now you mention it yeah anyway okay well anyway we don't at the moment no we don't do chin liposuction bless it easier easier on that neck area uh, although it is the thing that is done in the world. Um, 
do you recommend having liposuction to the thighs? Well, it's a bit like one of the questions where they say, well, would you, do you recommend having, you know, anything? It's kind of like, uh, depends if you need it, is the first thing. So if you don't need it, no. If you do need it, then, yeah, can think about it. Liposuction of the thighs, thighs is a bit of a difficult area, in my view. The thighs are difficult. You've got the inner and outer thigh. Um, so the inner thigh has got thinner skin. So, and, and this is in my view and in my hands. I don't find that the inner thigh is great for liposuction because the skin doesn't recoil. So I think the best way to contour the inner thigh is a, um, a thigh lift. The outer th thighs, yes, maybe kind of the hips uh, area, the saddlebag area, it can be respond well to liposuction. It's quite a big area, quite hard to get it all smooth. There's often rippling and contour irregularities that can happen with any liposuction, particularly big areas like the thighs. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, do I recommend it? Depends. I mean, weight loss is always the best, but liposuction is really a, a, a surgery that's performed once you've lost your weight. And so um, case by case basis, I guess I'd say, but it's not a common area for liposuction. Hips it is when you're doing a tummy tuck, but thighs less so. Uh, fairy dust, what you got? Will you be having a surgeon to do hooded eyes at all? We have. Oh, we had. <laughs> yeah. Um, does Costas not do it? God, I should know this, shouldn't I? I don't think Costas does cost. We, we have, haven't we? Um, I don't know, fairy dust. I don't know. I mean, hooded eyes is quite a um, a good thing to do. We can do it at the clinic, and it's quite a uh, dramatic, out of all the facial aesthetic surgery, sort of hooded eyes or blepharoplasty is probably the, the number one. And yes, I'll say yes, we probably will, fairy dust, in the future. But um, what I'm going to try and do is, you're going to be booking for the surgeon left. That was Curran, was it? Um, yeah, that was probably Curran. Um, we probably know that, don't we, Feridus? We should keep an eye on that. I don't know who Feridus is. All these funny names, Feridus. Uh, if you maybe direct message and, um, yeah, but uh, direct message us and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that because it's, uh, and, you know, arguably that's kind of the one, that, anyway, that's kind of the one I should probably do, but it's just, anyway. But it's a it's a good op a blepharoplasty so it is it is probably something we should look at but it's uh, not a focus at the moment because we're mainly sort of breast and body but i want to build on the clinic and certainly the see and treat aspects of the clinic and utilizing the minor ops more so that is certainly an area where we should do that but uh, um yeah direct message me and say hi, hi it's me or i'll get them to direct message you and see what's going on with that uh well, what are your thoughts on lymphatic drainage massages post tummy tucks? I think I've heard good things about them at 12. Um, I haven't got a strong view in terms of whether I kind of recommend them or don't recommend them. So I don't really sort of say anything to patients about them either way because I don't have a strong view about it. But I have had patients, not a huge number of patients, but some patients who um, have had it done and have said it's good. And I think it is probably a um you know a good thing to do i don't think i don't know but i don't think there's any harm in it whether there's benefit in it or not a lot of times in terms of surgeons we kind of kind of look for evidence and things like that and like trials and you know you want to, um so there might not be evidence for it but in a way if it's kind of helpful and nice even if there isn't evidence for it you could argue that it's a good thing to do so um i haven't got a strong view about it but i do i have heard good things about it and I'm certainly open to it. And when um, patients have said, um, 
patients have said they you know shall i you know shall i have it kind of thing i would say yeah go for it and let us know how it turns out because i'm interested to know what your view on it is but i don't really feel that i can sort of get behind it and say oh you've got to have lymphatic drainage is so much better than not having it so i'm not sure if there's evidence to say it's massively better than not having it but certainly people who've had it seem to think it's a good thing so yeah so messing, uh, keep popping on here just in case you get another surgeon. We have, we've got a couple of other ones, uh, fairy dust. Um, so um, we've got Costas who's been with us for a while. I've got a feeling he might not do it. And we've got um, Sam as well. Um, Sam, George, you're starting soon. So as well, thank you. Um, what we got? Live socials, I've done that. What is the recovery time for breast reduction? Okay, similar to the, the last one. Um, so yeah, I mean, breast reduction, big op, uh, can be done as a day case if we do it at a reasonable time in the morning, uh, but it's quite a long op, so day case slash overnight stay, uh, try and avoid using drains, which obviously, well not obviously, but would, would keep you in overnight. So um, as I say, for a sort of normal size breast reduction, you might well be able to go home same day, but for a bigger breast reduction where you might have drains and things, that might be an overnight stay. But um, uh, first week, you're pretty knocked back. It's quite a big anaesthetic, quite a big change to your body. Uh, you have dressings on, which you can't really get wet. So you can get splash wet, so you have to sit in a, a, a bath, a shallow bath for the first week. Um, after the first week, you have the dressings taken off. Um, you'll feel better after the first week. You'll be pottering around, doing stuff, but probably not driving. Two to three weeks for driving, but pottering around is good. Actually, from day one, pottering around, walking is good because we don't get any DVT. So walking from day one. But um, after two or three weeks, you might want to do exercise, bike, low impact stuff, stepper, things like that. And then four to six weeks before anything with your upper body, because you're going to make it swell. You're going to be moving your pec, you're going to make it swell. So just take it easy. Again, a bit like the one earlier, what was I saying about lying on your front? Listen to your body. You know, if it hurts or swells, don't do it, basically. But after about four to six weeks, you can start gently, start getting into sort of upper body exercises and heavy lifting and things if your job involves heavy lifting then it's usually light duties for about six weeks and then you can start getting into things um how soon can i return to the gym after breast augmentation okay um so i gotta be honest with you full disclosure here i know we're amongst friends um for those of you i was just thinking when i was talking about that i was just thinking of jackie who's on every week and she probably thinks oh my god here we go he's saying this again um full disclosure uh, the post-op regime that I've just outlined, <laughs> dressings for a week, uh, two, two weeks or so, uh, pottering around from day one, t after two to three weeks, you can start um, walking and uh, you can start lower body activities, exercise, bike and stepper and driving. And then four to six weeks, you can start upper body activities. That counts for everything. Breast augmentation, breast reduction, tummy tuck, breast lift, thigh lift, arm lift. All right, so you got me there by asking me about breast lift and then asking me straight away, what about returning to the gym after breast augmentation? Same as a breast reduction one. Four to six, well, two weeks for lower body, low impact and the step of exercise by four to six weeks for upper body because you're going to be moving your upper body, you're moving your pec and you make it swell. So, and listen to your body and see how you go. It's the same for everybody. I mean, I don't know if that sounds bad, but it's the same. I don't know if it's helpful, but it's the same for everybody. We could just have a sheet and say, look, whatever op you've done, 
post-op recovery after operation. There you go. I think people like to have it a bit personalized, but uh, but I'll be honest with you, it's it's similar for breast augmentation. And people say, what about under the muscles? Surely it's worse than over the muscle. Yeah, it is. But it's not a week worse. You know, it's just generally worse. The, the same figures that I quote are the same figures simply because some people are great at three weeks and some people are still in a lot of pain at three weeks. So, um, you know, everyone's different. So, uh, so yeah. There you go. You heard it here. A lot of this, a lot of this stuff, especially plastic surgery, smoke and mirrors, trying to make it fancy, trying to use fancy words, anterior and, uh, you know, stuff like that. Trying to make it sound like it's some kind of uh, capsulectomy, capsulotomy, you know, trying to make, uh, blind you with science. Um, I should be like those magicians that, you know, what's that, the, magi the masked magician who tells you how it's done. It's all just the same, you know. Um, right, what we got? How long, oh, here we go. How long after having a tummy tuck before the scar tends to fail? This is slightly different starts to fade settles that's slightly different so what not so the scar after it but but i've got to be honest with you scars are scars so i'll answer this question in terms of tummy tuck but it's gonna it's gonna go for breast reduction breast augmentation uh, mole removal cyst removal or any kind of scar really this is kind of this will this will hold so um you you a week it often doesn't look too bad six weeks it often looks so that's why i we do a dressing at a week and then right me at six weeks and again that's for every procedure dressing a week for like me at six weeks six weeks it often looks worse often looks a bit firm feels a bit firm um can be a bit of numbness around the scar a bit odd um at six weeks everything's kind of knitted together and the scars kind of getting strength into it so we at six weeks we start your massaging it with, with, with cream doesn't really matter what you use but just kind of moisturizing cream massaging it moisturizing it it's breaking down that scar tissue it normally starts to fade and i say this to everyone pre-op it starts to fade about three months three months is quite a long time so six weeks is kind of halfway there so three months it starts to fade i would say starts to settle three months numbness might still be there at three months so i normally catch up about six months should be starting to settle then as i say starts at three months but it takes six 12 18 months for it to properly fade um and i would say a year is kind of there's still some fading after a year, but a year is pretty good with in terms of the fading. You, you're looking, if you look at, you know, results of tummy tight scars, six weeks, three months, six months, you've got still some redness in the scar, a bit of swelling going over. A year, yeah, a year is when you think things start really starting to look good and, and fade. So I would say a year properly, um, but kind of three to six months is when it, when it really starts. So it's quite a long time, quite a long haul. Uh, you know, tummy tuck's not j just Christmas. It is for life, and it's a it's an investment, and it's uh, takes time for it all to fully settle. So there we go, there we go. That's the uh, questions that um, I've written on my vehicle text reminder that I can now put away because I've texted my vehicle. Um, so any vehicle tax or plastic surgery questions, just let me just check. I've got some time. Oh, here we go. Salma's in. Does the scar go hip to hip? Yeah, I mean, Salma, good question. A lot of people, again, in any kind of plastic surgery, want less scarring. And same with tummy tucks, same with anything. You want less scarring. And you know what? I want less scarring too. If I can make the scar shorter, I'll make the scar shorter because less healing, you know, less risks, less visible, brilliant, everyone's happy. 
But what you've got to look at when you're looking at the abdomen, try and think of things from my, our, our point of view. When you're looking at the abdomen, you've got to look at where the excess is. Because you can do shorter scars. You can do uh, a mini tummy tuck, which is a shorter scar, a little bit longer than a cesarean scar. Um, but the shorter the scar, the less skin you can remove. So you've got an ellipse, so it's maximum in the middle where the belly button is, and then it goes less. So the shorter the scar, the less skin you can remove. So you can't get skin past where the scar ends. And often, certainly a lot of people who need a tummy tuck, you look at the excess. It's across the whole front of the abdomen. If the excess is just centered above the cesarean scar, often people have a pouch above the cesarean scar. Centrally, yes, a mini tummy tuck might be an option, which would give you a shorter scar, no scar around the belly button, great. But if the excess is kind of centered across the whole abdomen, you kind of got to have a, a longer scar because you're gonna you're gonna be removing more skin because you want the you want the tightness. So whilst everyone wants a short scar, including us as surgeons, we would prefer you know less stitching, less risks, less wound problems, but less of a result. So um, usually, yes, it, the answer is short answer to your question, um, Salma, is yes, it does go hip to hip, so it goes from one hip to to the other hip. It's quite a long scar. Um, for, it, for a tummy tuck, usually, and it, and it's kind of depends on how much skin you got. So if you haven't got quite as much skin, it might be a little bit shorter. If you've got a little bit more skin, it might be a little bit longer. But it kind of, if you kind of, if if you can look yourself and try, and I don't know, I don't know if I, I don't know if you can get an idea of how you know how it happens the surgery and just think actually yeah I have got a bit out here you know if you got a bit out here. You're thinking, oh yeah, I've got a bit. You know, if it's just here, fine. But if you've got a bit out here, you think, mm, yeah, I've got a bit out there. Then you might, you know, actually not. You don't want a longer scar, but you might think actually, I can understand why they've done a longer scar because I had a bit out there. So, trying to get you to kind of acknowledge that we're not trying to give people scars because we, you know, no one wants a scar and no one wants to give a scar. But uh, in terms of plastic surgery, certainly cosmetic surgery and body uh, contouring surgery. It involves scarring, and the more scarring, the more skin you can remove, and the tighter you can make it. It's the same with facelifts. It's the same with breast lifts. It's the same with arm lifts. It's the same with thigh lifts. You know, everyone says, "Oh, can you not do a short scar? I can do a short scar facelift. Just give me a scar at the front." Yeah, I can do a short scar facelift. I don't do facelifts, by the way. But you know, if you do a short scar facelift, it's scar front, absolutely fine. But you're limited how much skin you can remove. You do a full facelift scar going around the back, up behind the ear. You've got your neck lift as well. You know, you can get a lot more skin removal if you're getting a lot more scarring because you're taking the scar right at the back. Whereas if you're just doing a little short scar, you can only take a, same with a breast lift, you do a short scar, you're taking less skin, less tightening. So it's all about balancing the scar with the result. You know, obviously zero scar, zero result. Well, I don't know, there might be some non-surgical stuff, but you know, broadly speaking. Dawny C's in the house, big up yourself. Dawny C, how you doing? Good evening. Um, good evening, yeah. So, yeah. Thanks for that, Selma. So without further ado, I might nip off now, if that's okay. Uh, next week, all good. How are you? I'm all right, Dawny C. I'm all right. How is Dawny C tonight? Huh? Dawny C's all good. Um, I... Uh, holiday next week and actually that's what I'm in the middle of doing I'm trying to look for uh, what's that what is that is 
away, or trap, whatever. Right back at you, Dorney. Right back at you. Um, looking at a man. Van life. I'm a van lifer. I know you wouldn't think it to look at me, but uh, one of my children likes van life. The others, not so much, but uh, my wife definitely not. I was away with it. Um, so thinking about I might be in a van next Tuesday, so I might not be uh, available for said Q&A. But don't you worry, because the week after, you guys going to be here answering your questions and have it slick next week. I'll have it all sorted out. Um, Jackie, you saw how shambolic it was at the beginning, but the others don't need to know about that. Next week will be slick. I'll have it sorted because uh, clearly, you know, once you've done it a few times, you get the hang of it. So um, I'm going to sign off if that's okay. And I will bid you good night. And I will be right back at you two weeks time. Um, unless you want a van life episode next week. And the van if i got wi-fi but probably not because i'll probably completely forget what day it is and uh so yeah week on tuesday if you've got any questions post them in the comments that's what you're supposed to say isn't it post them in the comments like me and you know whatever i don't know like me sounds a bit uh loco loopy thanks as always have a good holiday thank you uh lastminute.com uh thanks Selma. yeah and i will see you all um in two weeks time hasta la vista Thanks, Alma. And share. Oh, Facebook still on. All right, Dorney. Night, night. Night, night, Dorney. Night, night, Bev, if you're still here. Uh, and I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.